Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Teaching Kindness, the Bullies Be Gone podcast, with yours truly, Nate Webb, the founder of Bullies Be Gone. Here on BBG, I go into all things kindness, bringing in guests and experts from all wakes of life. And we are all here for one reason and one reason only, to help you and your kids get over bullies, get off social media, and love your lives. So come on in and learn how to live in a world where kindness is king. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What is up, everybody, and welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. Guys, it is high time we change the way we are talking about mental health. Adults are suffering. Kids are suffering. Depression, anxiety, suicidality are all on the rise, and we need to change something. Today, I speak with Dr. Julie Hanks, a psychotherapist who has some amazing insights on how we can do better. Buckle up, guys. This is going to be so great with so many golden nuggets. But first, gotta pay the bills. All right, everybody, we are back. So I am very pumped about today's amazing guest, Dr. Julie Hanks, PhD, LCSW, all the letters, all the things. She's a licensed psychotherapist, <laughs> assistant professor, content creator, author, owner of Wasatch Family Therapy, and host of the Ask Dr. Julie Andrews podcast. Julie Hanks. Wow. Julie Andrews. I know. Man. I was like, wow. That's wow. Wow. The past. <laughs> well, so with nearly 30 years of experience, Dr. Hanks provides a safe place for healing conversations that educate and empower people to prioritize their dreams, revolutionize their families and personalize their faith. So thank you so much, Julie, for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for the invitation, Nathan. Absolutely. I may have done a crazy little happy dance when you're like, sure. Yeah. Just email me. I'll, I'll book a time whenever. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, Julie Hanks. Oh my gosh. It was great. So Julie, we are in a bit of a pandemic right now. And I don't mean the COVID-19 virus, mm. um, depression, anxiety, suicidality, mental health issues are raging across our country. And it seems that People are hesitant to talk about it, to address it, um, especially um, especially parents when it comes to kids, especially kids when it comes to themselves. And um, the conversation needs to change around this stuff. Um, you are a psychotherapist, a licensed clinical social worker. Um, you are in the trenches. You see how people are struggling. From your point of view right now, what on earth is going on? Mm. Well, I think the, uh, the health pandemic has really magnified the mental health pandemic that you refer to. Mm -hmm. People are isolated, uh, not able to do normal activities, not able to uh, hang out as much with friends. Uh, wear, the wearing of masks for a year is just that, like it feels smothering. I mean, there are just so many things. Fear uh, in the media, like what could happen. Um, this is 2020, last year was a really rough year in terms of social unrest, mm. um, the election. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there are a lot of things that impact, that are going on in the broader culture that impact uh, individual and family mental health. Mm. And so I think we've always had this struggle, but I, I feel like the COVID pandemic has magnified 
yes those struggles and why do you think people are so hesitant to talk about this i mean it's one thing that it's magnified those struggles um, but i feel like more than ever people are just bottling things up and aren't communicating that their struggles now yeah i don't know that that's new i think it's always been that way. And I think it's actually gotten better as the years go on. Uh, but there's still stigma about mental health problems as, and they're, they're often framed as a personal weakness. Mm. Something's wrong with you inherently, not you have a disorder that needs treatments, right? It's like right. somehow shame, shame-based. And we need to get out of that mindset that it's, well, it's caused by a personal weakness or something like that. Ugh, ugh, amen, amen. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, I, I, so I'm a, I'm a high school counselor in, in mm. Tooele, um, mm -hmm. not too far away from y'all. Where, where are you, where are you coming at us from? Sandy. Sandy, Sandy. Utah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're both in Utah guys. Um, so yeah. Um, and so many kids who feel that it is somehow weakness to convey that they're experiencing emotions or struggling. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like why? Stigma. Yeah. Yeah. And my, and in my brain, I'm like, why on earth is this stigmatized so bad? Like if a football player were to break his leg, getting the winning touchdown, he would be hoisted as a hero and his crutches would be, would be carried by people. And like, it would, it, it, he would be seen as a hero. Yet if someone needs to go see a therapist because they have, you know, clinical depression or anxiety, a literal imbalance of chemicals in their brain that's affecting their daily life, they're somehow seen as weaker. Yeah. Because mental illness is invisible, you don't have a cast, you don't have a, you don't have stitches. And so it's harder for, for people to know when we're struggling, it's not, it's not visible. And so somehow, because it's not visible or tangible, we think it's less valid. Mm. That is wow. And you know, I, I have, I have, I have thought about that from time to time that maybe because we can't see the immediate effects right now of their struggle, but by the time, because eventually we do see physical effects of mental health struggles, whether it be, um, you know, self-harm, suicidality, even weight gain, weight loss. There are, mm -hmm. there are physical there because uh, mental health directly affects our physical health right and so oh i i i i, I just wish that especially kids because i'm at the high school level i wish that kids could i don't know have the courage to to know that it doesn't make them weaker and so what what can we do moving forward to help remove this stigma so our kids don't feel that they are weak just because that they might have a struggle, which is normal. Yeah. I think parents can really have an impact here. So I'd say, parents, are you going to therapy? Are mm. you treating your anxiety and depression? Mm. Or is it just you want, you know, somebody to fix your kid? Oof. You model that it's okay by going. Yes. <laughs> by dealing with your own struggles. And 
And then also by opening up a conversation about, yeah, hey, do you, you know, do you want to go talk to somebody? I can tell if something's changed and you're mm-hmm. not as happy or, you know, whatever. Um, you treat it like you would a medical appointment. Like, okay, if you had a fever for, you know, three days, really high fever, we'd take you to get your temperature checked. So we're going to do a mental health checkup. And, mm-hmm. you know, how parents present it, I think, can have a big impact. Yeah. Like, honestly, guys, like, are we only concerned about mental health now because we think there's something wrong with our kid? And if so, then the com- then, then the conversation is not going to change the way you want it to. It, it's got to, it's got to start from the top. It's got to start with the adults. It's got to start with the people that the kids look up to because they're going to mirror your behavior. Um, which kind of leads right into what I was thinking next. So, I mean, at the high school level, I see a lot of issues that kids have with their insecurities and with their mental health issues. A lot of it stems from um, feelings of inadequacy from social media, um, from you know comparing their bodies to the airbrushed models that they see on Instagram, um, to the seemingly perfect lives that people post the snippets that. Um, the kids see that they think is their life and then they think my life sucks and then they just go down that rabbit hole and their their confidence is getting shattered um, because they care so much about what other people think who they don't even know um, mm-hmm. people who they don't know that'll like and comment and share and all that jazz why, why, why do why do we care so much about what other people think people that we don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it comes down to our need for connection Mm. in relationships. And now we've created this whole new type of relationship online. Yeah. And we're still learning how to figure that out and deal with it in healthy ways. Uh, so I think it comes from a good place of wanting, ex- wanting to be accepted, wanting to have, you know, have group acceptance is, is normal. Yes. So I think, you know, developing critical thinking about it, like, okay, really, do you think that that's like, this, this isn't real and <clears throat> their life, it, this is the good part of life. This is like a perpetual Christmas letter, like mm-hmm. oh, our kids are doing this and graduated from here. And da, da, da. you know, you, you only say the good things in the Christmas letter. Yeah. You know, you're not like, oh yeah, Johnny's on, you know, <laughs> suicide watch and so-and-so is on. I mean, people just don't do that. Right. Um, so yeah, I think developing critical thinking about it is important, but a bigger problem is contingency-based self-worth. Oof. Oof, yes, speak more, speak more. So we in our society base our self-worth on our behavior and our our performance Mm -hmm. and in comparison to other people. And it's it is a trap. Oof. We 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 have inherent worth because we exist. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm not the only one. Yes. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, the and and so recognizing and helping kids feel their worth, it's not based on making the winning touchdown. It's not based on being the star dancer. It's not based on that your value is unchanging. Your performance and your appearance are going to mm-hmm. go up and down depending on the day. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, there's so much pressure right now that kids feel that they want that group acceptance. And so they're trying to be one with the trends, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. doing all the things that all the cool kids are doing and this or that. And it's to the point where some kids are fearful to be themselves because they fear that that self may not be accepted like the fake self that social media has caused them to create. Mm. How can they, how can they find the courage to, to be that true self, which we all know will be their happiest self in the long run, because, um, you know, as you're true to your being and who you are, I mean, your vibe attracts your tribe. You'll find those people that are right for you, but how can they find that strength to, to be themselves and to overcome that fear? Yeah. I think part of what is going on with adolescents is they're trying to define themselves. They're trying to find them. They don't, they don't know who their true self is yet. Right? And so they are in that process. And, oh, yes. and I think the, the process is not necessarily new. Oh no, no, no. I, you know, it, but we have the input of millions and millions of other people now, which is new. Yes. And it's confusing, right? And you have all these people not liking or liking or criticizing you or leaving mean comments or, Mm -hmm. and, and that's new. We used to just have, you know, bullies in person. Yeah. We used to just have. Right. Yeah. And now we, we can have this, um, the input positive and negative yes. from millions of people. And that's just a new, really hard thing. I think it's hard for adults to deal with. Oh yeah. The human brain is not wired to be connected to a bajillion people. Like oh. we're built to have one-on-one connections and relationships, not a hundred million to one. Right. Um, and I mean, I remember when I was in school, um, you know, I made the realization I was allowing the opinions of 10 to 15 people totally dictate my happiness. They had defined who I was. And I believed that. And I would had become someone I wasn't proud of to impress a group of people I didn't even care about. It's just so I could get some sort of group acceptance. Kids nowadays, they are the the social media, the internet, just, just that in general, it feels like that is creating an identity for them before mm-hmm. they can even figure out who they want to be. Yeah. And it's putting a lot of stress. It is. And it's also creating a digital footprint of their figuring out who they are and their, mm-hmm. you know, which oh my is gosh. scary, right? Like, yeah, this is the first generation that's had their entire life online. Immortalized. Right. A hundred percent. Mommy blogs to, you know, so it's, it's a new thing. I, I, um, I think we, we just have to get better at adapting. Yes. And I think one of the hardest parts is that it, it creates this external focus mm-hmm. when really self-worth and a sense of self is an internal thing. Ex- external validation does not make self-esteem or self-worth. No, know? no. So it's a bottomless pit. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's what social media is, guys. It is a bottomless pit. Okay. <laughs> and it's also a great, like great things happen and you can be inspired. And it's, it's like, 
it's just extreme, extreme positive can happen and extreme negative can happen. Oh, it's so true. And it's really hard for kids because they, they don't know. I mean, a, they're kids, they're prefrontal cortex is not done growing. So let's try and make sure they're making the right decisions hundred percent of the time with a supercomputer. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's not realistic. Yeah. Um, and then, and yeah, they're just, they are struggling. So it's starting with the parents. Yes. Prioritize our mental health, but what kind of conversations can we be having at home to change the conversation around mental health with our kids? I think introduce basic mental health concepts, introduce mental health as a thing. Mm. We ask like, oh, how are you feeling? How are you like really talk about emotions, teach kids about labels for emotions so they can Mm. identify what's going on in their internal world. Teach kids how to differentiate between a thought and a feeling and articulate that. So just basic like emotional wellness skills, I think can be really helpful. For for the teenagers who are listening, whose heads just about exploded, what is like, talk about that, the difference between a thought and a feeling. And cause I, I honestly feel like smartphones and devices and just right now this, this very screen heavy age we live in, especially with COVID and everything where their schooling was by screens and stuff that it's kind of sucked their coping skills away. The ability to to perceive and emit emotion has transferred into the ability to select the correct emoji. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what are some of those things? Like, what is the difference between a thought and a feeling? And like, yes, let's dive. Yeah, so, so a feeling is a bodily sensation that you experience and feelings have labels. There are six basic emotions that we can we can identify based on people's facial expressions, cross-culturally, mm-hmm. uh, happy, mad, sad, scared, surprise, disgust, and shame. I put shame and disgust in the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so a feeling is one of those words or a version of those. Mm-hmm. I feel scared. Right. A lot of times we say, I feel that you're being unfair. That's a thought. It's, Mm. I think that you're being unfair. I feel sad because I think you're being unfair. That is a very important distinction. And being able to articulate the difference and to give language to our internal processes um, helps kids be able to express themselves. Mm-hmm. more accurately. And it also helps them tune into what's going on inside their brain and in their body. Oh yeah. Which I mean, we all remember those days. That is some nutso stuff going on in their brain and body at that time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everything, everything's exploding quite literally at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really hard. And what, what, so during this crucial time where our kids are kind of finding themselves and who they are, how can we help keep them in a positive light and help keep them from spiraling down into the the dark pit of comparison and negative self-talk mm-hmm. and stuff that a lot of teens today are facing? What can we do to help them? Yeah. One thing is to 
use the parental controls on devices. Oh my gosh. What, what, what? <laughs> Mind blown. What? Oh my God. Yeah. To limit the time that they can be on TikTok each day. Um, if they have a smartphone or a tablet, you can, you can use parental controls to, to limit that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, your kids don't have to be on Instagram all day, every day. No, they can be on 30 minutes a day or, and, and parents get to decide that. So limiting that, um, having, having a no screen zone, like meal times are no screens, like do not bring your phone to the table. Hmm. Um, having time to have conversations, just face-to-face conversations for them to practice. I think that's really helpful. Hmm. And then uh, I mentioned earlier, developing critical thinking skills, asking them. So do you, do you really think that's what Kim Kardashian looks like in real life? How much <laughs> money do you think she paid to look like that? Like asking, you know, <laughs> asking those questions um, and, and pointing things out that this is reality is here in, in our world. This is kind of this fun playground, but it's not life. It's, it's a part of life. It's, it's a fun place to play, but it's not, it's not real connection. Yes. And I love that you've talked about this multiple times here is that kids, people in general, they, they have a basic need for human connection. Um, and if we give that connection to our kids, they will choose that over social media in the long run every single time because it's real. It's not artificial. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I want to just say that online connections are real. They're just different. They're not the same, but they're real. They're real connections. Yes. Okay. Um, but it's it's mediated through technology, so it changes mm-hmm. it. It does. And it gives their, their brain a rush of dopamine that they're just not used to. Mm-hmm. That can be quite addictive if not, not, if, if not, you know, in, introduced properly. Right. Um, and that can be, that's a whole nother can of beans yeah. with screen addictions and, you know, the exposure to pornography and all that stuff that, that, mm-hmm. that might happen. Um, something that I, um, that I, I tell parents when they're like, well, the internet's telling my kid that they suck. What can I do? And I'm like, well, well love your kid louder than the internet can hate them. You know, try, try to give them a sense of self-confidence and self-esteem, tell them things that you know about them, that, you know, you love them and things like that more often than the internet can say that they hate them. Um, Mm, I love that. And, and it was funny because, um, so I have a two-year-old and a Mm four-month-old and, um, since the one-year-old could brush his teeth every time we'd get done brushing our teeth, we'd look in the mirror and we'd say, you are strong and you are loved three times. And then when we turn on his noise, noisemaker, say, you will always be enough. And then when we were um, in St. George for a vacation, he looked in the mirror and without any prompt, just started screaming, strong, loved. I'm like, what if we were all that pumped about ourselves? That's awesome. And I was like, ah, oh, what can I just... Oh man, I I want all the kids in the world to know that they are worth it, Mm y'all. And that, that you have worth just because you are here as, as a human being. Um, Ah, man, all the things, all the things going through my head right now. So 
So moving forward, as a, a, I don't know, as a society in general, what are some important, I don't know, steps, things that we, we can do moving forward um, to, to, to be a solution? Um, we talked about some of those things, teaching our kids, being an example, prioritizing our mental health. Um, any last tips and things of advice, anything that you'd like to give? Oh, I think just on every level, education about mental health matters. Yes. And and treating mental health just like physical health. Um, so that may be advocating for policy change mm. for insurance companies or, you know, there, there are a lot of ways to adv- advocate. Think about if every year, every kid had a mental health checkup like they have a physical checkup. That would be amazing. Think of all the kids we could save. That'd be groundbreaking. Oh my gosh. So, Uh. but why don't we do that? Why? So, so treating mental health, like we treat physical health without shame, without blame and, and seeking prevention, you know, you go to the dentist once a once every six months or, and, and kids go for their yearly checkup to the doctor. Let's do mental health checkups. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. All the yes guys. I hope you guys have been taking notes. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Julie, for your time. This has been the greatest. So um, how can people see what you're doing? Shameless plug time. Let's hear it. (laughs) Um, So I have a podcast, ask Dr. Julie Hanks. Um, I'm on social media, speaking of technology, <laughs> at Dr. Julie Hanks, so Dr. Julie Hanks, and then drjuliehanks.com. And then if you're in Utah, uh, my therapy website is wasatchfamilytherapy.com. Yep. And all of that is going to be in the podcast description. So go check her out. Go follow her. Um, she's always sharing amazing stuff when it comes to mental health, whether it be um, relationship-based, whether it be faith-based, uh, faith transitions, faith de- deconstructions, whether it be just trying to have a better relationship, she has got your back. Um, so go check her out. And if you want your daily dose of positivity, make sure to go follow me at bulliesbe.gon on Instagram for all speaking inquiries. Shoot me an email from the description. Um, and always remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug, and we'll see you on the next one.